Hello and welcome back to the One Take Show podcast, the second season. It's been quite some time now since I've uploaded my past videos, and uh, it's because of a persistent issue with my YouTube channel. Also because of the final year in law school, it gets a little hectic. But I'm really excited to start up the second season with this amazing episode. I am in conversation with Mr. Ravi Kangal. Sir is a beloved, beloved senior, and he's also an associate with Shardu Ramalchand Mangaldas in the competition law team. So naturally, we talk about everything that there is to talk about in competition law, and I'm sure this episode is going to benefit a lot of the law students. So if you like this video press the like button share this video with your friends and subscribe to the channel and ladies and gentlemen without further ado let's start with the podcast you want something go get it period all right we are recording hello so welcome to the one take show i am really honored very excited to have this conversation with you i think everyone in our university at armel uh, really loves you we really look up to you and uh, there is so much that we want to learn from you and i've been getting this constant request to get you on the podcast to speak about competition law to speak about your experience so i'm really grateful for this opportunity thank you so much for sparing your sunday and thank you so much for sitting down with me thank you so much for having me kasuva it's quite surprising though whatever you've just mentioned but theek hai it's it's good yaar yeah. i mean love to be of help to people Like to juniors mostly, yeah. Absolutely, sir. I think one very interesting factor that we, as especially the senior students in our college right now, fourth fifth years, have realized is that it's very difficult to find your uh, your niche in, especially in top tier law firms, and to identify what area of law that you want to work with, identify what team that you want to work with, and to have that very clear crystal idea as to how to maneuver through the industry. and there is this few there's a lot of examples but sure like some that we relate to very closely we would love to learn from them so if you could please tell me about your experience in law school and then what sort of inspired you to take the path that you took and how did it sort of turn out for you um so honestly my law school life uh, i mean it has it had its goods the bads and you know things that i don't remember anymore which is like for all the law students across the country i would say so uh, one thing that i i which which uh, you know i thought that i will i will always be mindful of was to try my hands at everything so i'll tell you uh, i mean you would know the process like in your first year you there are different committees who would invite you for uh, interviews and they last you to create those uh, cvs and everything so right out of school i had like a half a page of cv and in terms of my co curriculars i had like debating and i think uh, some random sport because that was the most generic uh, uh, you know options that i could think of so i did not want the same story to be played out in my college as well so i just thought that maybe you know this time this is not going to happen when i step out i will have a lot of things to you know sort of put in my cv so i mean it shouldn't be like a half a page of cv it 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 needs to cover at least 3/4 of a page so uh yeah so that sort of you know made me realize that uh, yeah maybe i should try my hands in different things i i started with debating then i shifted to mooting i worked on a couple of research articles i joined the cultural committee uh i was uh, i was uh, you know selling those logical reasoning questions to coaching institutes for 50 bucks a pop at one point and then i was teaching law uh, clat aspirants as well for for a very brief period so i couldn't uh, you know try uh, negotiation competitions but uh, i mean that's the only thing that i couldn't try but otherwise i think yeah the good part is as an offshoot of all this i got to learn about competition law so my first you know uh, 
what do you call it my the first time that i came across this area of practice was when i participated in one of the gis it was i think the one uh, winter grand intra and the problem was based on section 4 basically aod case and it was largely focused on the dlf matters which were ongoing at the moment so yeah that's how i started reading up on the topic uh, yeah then uh, so i remember one uh, we did br sani this is this moot uh, which is organized by nalsa so thankfully the uh, edition that i participated in while they focus on uh, you know constitutional issues there's always an uh, you know peripheral theme as well so luckily in that edition it was competition law basically it was uh, you know the tussle between high courts and tribunals and the tribunals in question were the cc and the compact so that is how i also got to know like the constitutional aspect of the act and you know how it is framed and what was the mindset of the you know legislators at the time how did they go about it so all in all it i mean to a great extent i would say the fact that i participated in different things that is what helped me in identifying you know this area of practice as something which i can stick to for a long period of time uh so yeah another thing that i realized was that if you really need to understand a topic in depth you need to you know write a research article it's it's as simple as that so uh, after these moots i realized that you know if i if i'm really interested then maybe one way to sort of uh, understand if if you know it really piques my interest or not is to probably draft something of my own so uh, i picked up one of the issues that we had debated uh, i mean mooted in one of the in in the winter granite right? and just wrote a paper on it and i i would say that is when i really got hooked so uh yeah that and then okay yeah another important thing uh, i mean important in the hindsight at that time it just seemed like a is something that you know one should have done logically speaking uh which was to intern with a law firm which focuses on uh, you know competition law so all in all yeah that is how yeah, i entered this uh, mm-hmm. i mean you know uh, competition law perfect uh right and i i think in our university one of the major factors is that you obviously we as law students in our university we see you as an authority in competition law every time a boot comes up i remember it was on nl jodhpur boot uh, antitrust and we contacted you for uh, getting some guidance about it but what is really curious uh, as i've observed is that although competition law has become very popular it has become rather mainstream where major teams big law firms and not just in one or couple of places but everywhere are working on this there is still some apprehension some lack of awareness or some lack of familiarity with this subject and uh, the reason why i know this is because a lot of people have texted me and have asked me to uh, to specifically target an episode on competition law so if i were to ask you how would you conceptually sort of explain what con- competition law as a legal practice is and in an overview how would you define this legal practice uh so firstly a rider uh, i am not an authority on the topic <laughs> for uh, for us you are for us you are we've been taking you as honestly, an authority <laughs> honestly given our profession uh, nobody really is can be an authority i mean especially in their initial years into the profession so uh yeah keep keeping this rider in mind uh the i mean so competition law the good thing is it's it's uh, you can uh, you know sort of classify it into different buckets in terms of the area of practice uh, actually you know what taking a step back let's just talk about why people are still not aware of the topic that's probably because it's not still taught as such uh, it's it's not a part of a curriculum in law schools i mean uh, i still remember it was just a unit in our corporate law uh, uh, you know the course uh, 
it was taught over a span of i think what uh, three or four lectures and that's that's pretty much it uh and to be honest that that doesn't cover it i mean people should realize that be, you know before competition law you also had the mrtp act which so you know india sort of had this uh, structure in place uh obviously mrtp was way 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 behind what you know more advanced jurisdictions were doing at the time uh so thankfully we got the competition act in place i wouldn't say that it is a very well worded uh, legislation uh which clearly has been realized by uh, you know the legislature as well because now you have the clrc report and there there is an amendment in the pipeline uh so yeah that's uh, that's one now moving on to uh you know what it comprises now i mean now that we have covered as to why people don't know about it uh what it comprises now is i mean broadly it can be classified into enforcement and transaction uh, as in merger control transactions so enforcement covers your section 3 section 4 a lot of compliance work and advisory related work and merger control is your 5 and 6 and you know all the mna activity which needs to be filtered and you know needs to be notified to the cci uh see honestly merger control you will see a lot more of it as compared to enforcement that's that's simply because i mean india is brimming with mna activity at the moment i mean there's just a lot which is going on and uh, most of the transactions trigger the thresholds which are there under section 5 uh, which leads to uh, you know uh, the whole process before the cci now the point is that even even when i was in in law school and i was trying to understand and sort of uh, you know uh, dig deeper into the topic i had a, i mean i had no idea what merger control really was because it's it's a it's a very different practice it's a practice in its i mean i mean it's it's it's, it's not something that you generally come across uh it's it's not uh, you know a typical transactional practice you're not drafting contracts you're not drafting agreements it's it's not enforcement you're not really arguing before a court of law it's it's more like a pleading it's it's a it's a document that you draft which you submit to the cci it's it's a lot it in, entails a lot of information collection so that's i mean i mean it it has a lot of practical aspect to it so you can't really expect students to sort of understand what all goes into this area of practice while they are in law school so uh yeah that's merger control for you uh, it's quite interesting uh, i would say that uh, uh a lot of law firms thrive with it uh i mean which which makes sense because you know if you have a thriving mna practice then obviously you can always leverage that position to sort of uh, gain customer you know clients for your uh, merger control practice as well which is what you're saying which is what you're seeing right now with a lot of law firms have uh, come up with their own uh, sort of competition practice so that's that's merger control then when you talk about enforcement uh see i mean it's it's no secret that litigation in this country takes a lot of time so that way if you if you if you're i mean enforcement is the interesting bit people do like merger control but enforcement is really where you you know apply yourself because uh, uh given the kind of uh, what do you call it uh the way the sections are worded and the kind of scenarios that it covers it takes a lot of thinking to sort of figure out you know how to make a case also because it has a lot of economics so and the best part is that the theories of harm and the economics which goes into competition law it it's it's uh, you know the same across the globe 
so you may not have an answer in india but you will sure as hell have an answer maybe you know in the european union or maybe in the us uh so that way it becomes really interesting and engaging for the practitioners as well as uh, you know law students i would say uh so yeah now when you talk about enforcement it's understand is that not it's it's not like every day that you appear before a cci or the nclat or you know supreme court or you're challenging the cci in a writ before a high court it doesn't happen every day but it does happen quite often but for you to make it happen quite often you need to be in the kind of law firms which uh, you know are trusted by the industry uh so that sort of drives your practice that sort of make you know provides you with the exposure that you should get in your initial years to be able to uh not make it big but uh, you know sort of be the kind of person who can be approached by clients in the future and uh, you know be the sort of person who can sort of provide them with the guidance and the advice that they you know they expect from you uh which is why joining a good law firm which has a which has a established practice makes a lot of sense uh it's simply because uh, the kind of i mean to give you an example the kind of issues that you face while uh, appearing for or against google are not the kind of issues that you will come across in you know uh, a relatively smaller uh, company uh uh you know related to this given that now there's like a a lot of focus on tech and how the you know the tech giants need to be sort of uh, uh looked at through the lens of antitrust it becomes uh it becomes important for you to be in that uh, uh you know be in that space uh for you to appreciate the kind of issues which are being dealt with across the globe uh because uh, i mean there's a reason why each regulator across the globe is debating whether their uh, current legislation is fit to you know sort of tame these uh, tech giants or not so to be able to appreciate those discussions you need to you know understand how these tech giants work and to be able to understand how they work you need to either work for them or work against them at at some point so yeah that's that's uh, then i mean a lot okay so this is your general enforcement another part of enforcement is compliance now compliance basically is uh, you know you have companies will have an inbuilt uh, competition or compliance mechanism basically they'll have seminars regular seminars they'll uh, you know distribute handouts sort of explaining to their uh, you know employees as to what uh, competition laws are and what all you need to be mindful of on a day to day basis to give you an example uh, it's mostly the customer facing uh, executives like the people who are out who meet the distributor suppliers the customers who are more prone to breaching competition law on a day to day basis simply because they have that exposure to their counterparts from the other uh, you know from their competitors as well so even the minutest of details which they share with their uh, counterparts which may be commercially sensitive may invite uh, you know antitrust liability on the company as well as their uh, you know kmps so a lot of companies are very sensitive to it now in fact this is also a mitigating factor which is considered by the cci uh, if you have a compliance program in place so that's that that becomes another uh, you know source of uh, what do you call it generating revenue for law firms because uh, the bigger the company the more they are focused on uh, sensitizing their employees uh, 
you know about competition law and to be fair with you a lot of companies don't yet know you know what competition law is as in companies as in employees because they're not really concerned with it you'll have the legal department which will be well versed with it they will know everything in and out but then you'll also have people who have zilch ideas to what competition law is in which case it becomes uh, really important for the companies to let the employees know uh, what they can and cannot do so that's 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 pretty much it broadly it's enforcement and merger control within enforcement you'll have the litigation bit and then you'll have uh, compliance another bucket if i were to consider would be advisory which would uh, include both merger control and enforcement advisory essentially is uh, advising clients so if let's say they they are considering whether a transaction needs to be notified or not they will approach you then you need to sort of if any of the exemptions are applicable to the transaction or not so the competition act has a bunch of exemptions which uh, which you know you can use even if your transaction uh, meets the thresholds under section 5 uh, so but then that involves like a lot of analysis uh, and uh, again reviewing a lot of you know minor details so that becomes a practice in itself like a substantial portion of the practice in itself then uh, unlike a lot of jurisdictions india does not have uh, you know a provision whereby you can approach the cci and check with them if any commercial activity that you are willing to undertake uh, you know is that anti competitive so that's sort of left for the custom as in the uh, clients to figure out if you know what i'm doing is okay or not so naturally they need some guidance and which is why they approach uh, law firms so that again becomes a you know sub part of enforcement in terms of advising right. people what they're doing makes sense or not and if you know there's any risk involved in it or not makes so, sense mm-hmm. this is very very fascinating sir yeah no no yeah, please I please complete the point is that you know a lot of this doesn't come to the fore when you're mm-hmm. in law school the none of this is being discussed and you i mean you know this actually has a lot of practical aspect to it and therefore i mean i'm not sure how would one discuss it in law school also i ideally something should be done uh you know on that front but i'm i'm not yet sure how you know it it would be done or it can be done. right sir. so this is very fascinating as you've said like obviously law schools don't really necessarily talk about these industry specific information and the knowledge because obviously the limited exposure that we have to competition law except uh, the limited curriculum that we have is the moots that we do and moots also only expose us to let's say a very specific sector of competition or a specific application right. of right. competition law uh for example if it is digital market then the di- digital economy and the antitrust issues involved but what what i'm really curious to know is there are two things that has come out of it one is that what what i've realized is as you suggested that the legal practice of uh, of competition law either needs to be an either or practice where you have to only stick with mergers or let's say advisory work or you can do mergers advisory as well as enforcement work and uh, the other is that when it comes to the legal practice there is a third option available apart from the litigation chambers law firms is that can there be an in-house teams which can be dedicated just to antitrust uh, issues for the larger tech companies and all that so i would love to know your opinion in that sir okay so firstly just a correction it's it's not an either or practice i mean uh, at least in india you'd still i mean most of the you know competition law practices they delve into both Uh, merger control and enforcement you'd find this trend outside though in more uh, advanced jurisdictions where you'll have individuals who are either focusing on antitrust or uh, merger control uh but india in india that's that's still i mean 
you don't come across a lot many practice practices which have such individuals uh so yeah mo- most of the law firms and most of the practitioners are sort of delving into both the aspects now in terms of uh, in house uh see the point is having an in house counsel which is dedicated to practicing competition law will require resources to be attributed to such an individual right generally an in house counsel i mean again this is uh, a very preliminary assessment uh, of mine so can be inaccurate but uh, basically what i understand is that in house counsel have to deal with a lot of issues and it it's i mean you know because each whatever the company is doing uh, you have sector specific laws that they'll be dealing with we'll have uh, you know commercial laws which will be applicable to the company so they have to deal with a lot of things in such a scenario having a dedicated uh, competition counsel may not be feasible especially in india given that uh, you know you don't uh, you don't have so much uh, litigation which is going on wherein you need that one person who has all the know how of the topic uh, that said uh, you'd see again you see companies like google or facebook having dedicated uh, you know competition law counsel would be guiding and advising them which is simply because they are facing you know litigation across the globe Uh, you know so they need to have that to to be like consistent in their approach across regulators and to be consistent in their pleadings and what they're submitting they need to have someone who's who has a you know grip over the topic so that this one person can uh, you know talk to different law firms who are representing the client and sort of manage some consistency so therefore you'll see like larger companies having competition counsel but uh, Uh, traditional companies who are into traditional markets and uh, companies in general in india don't really have a dedicated competition counsel uh yeah so that may not be the best option for you if you're really interested in this area of practice right right uh, yeah also one more aspect i mean see the whole point of competition law is that you sort of need to be uh, you have to uh, you know inject yourself into the product that you're dealing with i mean that's the whole point if so so for that it will be beneficial for you at least in your initial years to sort of get a sense of all the industries which are out there so the more like the diversified client base that you work for the more uh, knowledge you will gain of different products which are there and that trust me become comes comes like becomes really useful because the whole i mean there's this whole issue of defining the relevant market and you know sort of delving into what are the substitutable products so from that aspect it becomes helpful to understand how do you uh, you know how the market uh, the, the industry sees a product how the supplier sees it and how do you you know uh, if you were to argue is it feasible for you to argue whether product a and b can be substitutable or not so that way it it makes sense to sort of first uh, you know de- you know deal with different products rather than stick yourself to just one which is what will happen if you are in house counsel so so i think a major part of this legal training when it comes to competition law is to also have commercial awareness is to have that industry specific knowledge of uh, of how uh, the things function beyond just legal understanding of how the regulatory aspect of it would turn out so one way yeah right so so one one i think one uh, important factor which comes into this big question for any law student to consider is that how can they actually go about that training so one very attractive feature is that we join teams 
uh, in top tier law firms, like say tier one, tier two law firms. And uh, I think one benefit which I can sort of foresee is that these law firms, as you mentioned, have an established competition law practice, which means they have huge matters, uh, some very nuanced matters where you have to work on nuanced uh, aspects of every competition law issue. So is that the appropriate way out to join the largest teams, largest possible law firms and to work with their competition teams? Or is it advisable to join a smaller team or let's say boutique law firms so you can get perhaps a larger exposure as compared to the larger law firms? See, at the time when I had graduated, the former made a lot more sense, but now things have really picked up. Uh, you know, you will see all most most of the law firms which have a thriving competition law practice uh, have like a bunch of clients with which provide their team members with adequate exposure. So if you really need to make an inroad into the, you know, this area of practice now, at least you shouldn't be, you know, bogged down by whether I'm going to a tier one or a tier two or a boutique law firm. Just make sure that whomsoever you're joining, uh, you know, just read up on the law firm. You'll see if, if you know, they, they have matters going on for them or not. So so long as they have matters going on for them, they they will be able to provide you with the kind of exposure which is necessary in your uh, initial years. I think you're good to go. Uh, yeah, yeah. So wherever right. you see, a, mm-hmm. wherever you see a law firm which sort of has a decent client base and are uh, diversifying, I think that's that's it. Because you'll see a lot mm-hmm. of boutique law ones who will actually be filing the information so they'll be representing the informants uh, even in cases where you know amazon and flipkart uh, uh, are uh, you know before the cci uh, it's it's a local dealers association which filed the information so uh, basically which were represented by you know independent counsel or uh, small law firms so that way it's it's not necessary that you have to have to go to a tier one but then uh, What's important is that you sort of read up on the law firm or the practitioner whom you wish to join and sort of see that they have uh, something going on for them. It's, it's not a you know, hidden trial. It shouldn't be, especially when you're graduating. So right. I think that's the filter that you need to use. Mm-hmm. Right, sir. And for, for like, let's say litigation chambers or individual practitioners, does competition law become a viable option for them as well? Or is it like, I, I understand your point for the the aspect of informants like you suggested that even small boutique law firms can also serve the purpose of uh, advising informants but for individual practitioners or let's say chambers who are primarily litigation chambers can competition law also serve uh, as a good or viable option for them as well see again this is based on my limited interaction and whatever i've observed so far but i would say that you know focusing only on competition law as an independent practitioner may not be the most viable option for the simple reason that you're losing out on 50% of the work anyway, which is your merger control. So it's, it's, that's, like I said, that runs uh, along with your MA practice. So if, uh, and as an independent practitioner, you will not have the resources to sort of uh, have that uh, going on for you. So uh, that's a red flag right there. Then, uh, like I said, there is enforcement, I mean, on a regular basis in this country, but it is not, uh, you know, as frequent that you can set up your own law offices and be focused on it. Uh, plus, uh, uh, I mean, you will find uh, counsel who do argue competition law cases, but uh, they need to be briefed by law firms. 
so that way it, it it doesn't seem to be a very viable option and you'll not see council who only be doing uh, competition law matters because there are in so many there are, i mean there are but again there are in so many so that way i don't think so it is feasible at this stage but maybe in the future with the more business coming india's way and more companies entering uh, india you will see a lot of uh, you know antitrust tussle uh, but till then i think uh, it may not be the best option if one wishes to sort of step out right sir and and how do you see uh, with how do you assess the opportunities available with let's say the think tanks or let's say uh, the cci uh, uh, the academic research that cci carries out at on multiple locations or any other such various in house teams we've already spoken about in house though but other such opportunities uh, where competition law can become um, an area of exploration for law students do you see uh, opportunities bubbling there as well yeah yeah absolutely i mean cci regularly hires uh, research assistants and uh, they i mean there's a pro right there right you get to work first hand with the regulator and sort of uh, uh, have an insight into everything which is going on so if let's say you're staffed on a google matter or you're staffed on a flipkart matter then you are you have that first hand experience of how to go about things so that well that information comes in handy that that experience experience comes in handy when when you know you decide to change sides because then people sort of expect you and uh, rightly so to know how cci would be viewing a given you know set of facts so that way it becomes really helpful think tanks i mean india has the consumer centric think tanks uh, which are also focusing on competition law so that way i think that's also a good option uh see if 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 you really you need to distill uh, all of this into what you really need to do and the kind of work profile that you need to have once you graduate uh if if uh, you see yourself as someone who will not be satisfied unless you you know sort of had uh, you sort of uh have that practical uh uh what do you call it let me rephrase this if you are a guy who or a girl if who's who's uh, who wouldn't be satisfied unless they have they put themselves right into the crosshair i mean you know they they sort of want to be in the midst of everything then maybe law firm practice is for you uh but uh, if if you have an academic bent if uh, if uh, what you really i mean you want you love the subject but then you don't really have a knack for uh, being in the middle of things and obviously you can stick to a a think tank or uh, you know maybe academics uh but i mean let me clarify there's this is this is not a relative assessment i mean each profession in itself has its own uh, uh what do you call it uh, benefits and uh, problems and ideally one should really understand what they expect out of their professional life and the once i mean once you have that sorted then it becomes uh, i mean it's it's a redundant comparison to compare a law firm associate with someone who's into academics because you did not want to be a law firm associate in the first place so that's that's something that one should uh, sort of first understand and then approach uh this this question right right so is there also jurisdictional advantage for anyone entering this uh, field of area of practice 
um, is it like all those metropolitan cities or largest jurisdictions which have access to let's say uh, NCLAD and CLTs and all of that have a, a more thriving practice as compared to other cities for example Lucknow which does not have an NCLT or NCLAD so is there a jurisdictional advantage here as well see uh, what needs to be uh, kept in mind is that it's a it's a regulatory practice so you need to have that uh, you know repo with the regulator and the people who are working at in, with the regulator repo in the sense you need to have that level you know some amount of face time you need to have that level of understanding because uh, you sort of have to interact with them on a day to day basis you'll be making pleadings you'll be submitting documents you will be checking with them on what the status of the case is you know so there are different aspects to it so that way it it becomes important if uh, you know you are in the same city as the regulator uh, another aspect to this is you need to also have a sufficient amount of face time with your clients so therefore you need to also be in the city in which most of your clients are based so there the obvious options then become delhi and bombay bombay has a, a huge you know client base delhi ha- has an equally big client base the added advantage obviously is that nclat and cci are both based in delhi so you sort of have that face time in uh, you know in terms of meeting with the officers working in the cci or the dg office so yeah the obvious answers are bombay and delhi but obviously delhi has a Uh, advantage in terms of the fact that the regulator is also uh, situated in Delhi, but uh, as you will see, I mean, if if you are following the trends, you will see that uh, more of more often than not, CCI orders, whenever challenged in writ, uh, are actually being challenged across the high courts in the country and not just the Delhi high court. Uh, but that's more of a legal issue than a you know a factual issue because you there's no I mean. it's a high courts have jurisdiction across the country to sort of uh uh you know address challenges to cci's jurisdiction uh, you need to obviously establish territorial jurisdiction but all of this is like too legal uh, to answer your question yeah it's it's bombay and delhi i would say for now unless yeah. cci chooses to have with its uh, regional offices uh, right sir so with this i would like to make this conversation a little more selfish about the law students for all the law students who are sort of trying to enter this industry and uh, not just explore it but also single mindedly pursue a career in competition law um there are two two aspects to this question one is how can they prepare in the law school uh, not just to have an in depth understanding of competition law but uh, what is it that they should read study work on number one how can they develop their uh, their sort of commercial awareness industry specific understanding to some extent in order to be useful to the teams that they are going to work for and finally when they start interning what is it that they uh, can do the, that can help them to stand out or possibly find a niche in their teams and and then for the creator career in this area of law uh, so on point number 1 i think the most beneficial exercise that a law student can undertake is to write an article though i mean the more you write the more you read and that's that's the best way to approach any area of practice uh it it gives you the the relevant level of insight which is expected from a law student who you know sort of see the point is you're off when when uh, you tell your prospective employer that i have a knack of for competition i'm really interested in the topic then 
you need to also express and sort of provide evidence as to how interested you are because that's that's the special consideration that you have offered to your employer right that i'm really really interested because you know i'm i'm a competition law enthusiast uh, and and uh, this is all that i want to do so the moment you give them this special consideration you also need to give them something to work with so the more papers you have on your cv more moots that you have done in this area of practice it becomes helpful obviously uh, personally i feel papers over moot are uh, i mean do do a lot more benefit to you so i i think that's that should be the way to approach it while you are uh, in your law school uh, then uh, see again the moment you apply for an internship it's it's uh, you are offering a special consideration which is i'm really interested in this topic so then that way once you join they sort like i mean your team will sort of have an expectation from you to at least know the basics no law firm expects you to know everything in and out because you're still a law student but what they do expect out of you is commitment uh how how inclined you are to you know sort of work uh, shoulder to shoulder with them and uh, how easily can you instill you know some level of comfort in them that you are around and you are uh, uh what do you call it a dip, uh, you know you're someone who, on whom they can depend even though you are just an intern so that's that's all really what's expected out of you uh so yeah i mean so long as you know the competition act in and out you know what regulations apply uh you have uh, a handle on most some of the cases some of as in the most notable cases which are there uh what's going on in the competition law space at the moment what are the major uh, litigation uh, uh, you know the cases which are going on i think that should that should be fine uh then in terms of uh, what to do once you are in a law firm as an intern i think it's the the expectations the same as any team has uh, which i just mentioned that you need to you know express that you have that level of commitment that they can rely on you uh, you are really interested and uh, you know you are willing to put in that extra bit which which is required from you uh see unless you give them something to sort of uh have that sense of uh, comfort that they can rely on you it becomes very difficult for them to you know see if if you could in the long run be a good option or not and uh, i mean to be honest this is not i mean this was something which was also explained to me by a senior and uh, this had this has come in handy for me i mean throughout so the i mean all you need to fo- i mean because people have approached me and asked me how do i you know build that uh, uh, connect with the person that i'm working with let's say if, if you've been if you're working with an associate or a senior associate the point really is that you need to give them that comfort that uh, you know if there's something look i am around and i you give me something i will ensure that it gets done so the the so long as you're able to uh, you know build that level of comfort i think you're good to go obviously you know not discounting that there are a lot of other factors which are not within your control you know your timing of applying uh, who all are interning alongside you whom who do you get staffed with uh, you know if if 
there's a lot of uh, if there are a lot of matters going on at the moment or not so these are the things that you can't really control but in terms of what you can control it's it's to have like a very open mindset and yeah just be able to build that level of comfort and to to be able to do, do that you go back to option 1 which is you need to read up sufficiently so that you know you sort of uh give people that confidence that look yeah i i have an special interest in this topic and therefore i know the basics and if not the basics i know at least as much uh, as someone who specially interested in in this topic should know uh, as a, as a law student so yeah i think that's that's pretty much it wonderful sir i think that last segment of this conversation could in itself be an episode where i could just get into that rabbit hole and never stop <laughs> keep talking about how can we sort of become uh, because now with the with the uh, with everyone reaching at least i am sort of uh, reaching the end of my college life i'm we are all thinking about this how can we become more and more useful how can we uh, find that uh, sweet spot of 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 finding that requirement in the teams and becoming sort of useful becoming uh, required and definitely this advice helps a lot and i'm sure this episode is going to help each and every law student who's been asking me to get an episode on competition law all my batchmates all my uh, college mates for that matter who've been asking for your specific episode i'm sure this uh, particular episode is going to make a lot of people happy so thank you so much for joining me sir and before we wrap this up do you have any closing remarks for for this episode uh i think i mean not really i mean bhai the bomb record kya nahi sir kuch bhi keh do aap jo aapko sahi lage chalo but aur kya bachcho khush raho ita chhe ita chhe karo dog degree pa jao aur kya sir ha yaar matlab best of luck do well aur kya perfect i can i can be Uh, you know, uh, philosophical that things will fall into place. Uh, sure, sure, you know, sure, you... sure. Yes, that that. Sir, sir, please, please, please do. Bo preachiness with the pure legal profession based, sir. Is in my entire podcast. No, but honestly, no, no, dude. I mean, uh, to your viewers, I would say that. Uh, I mean, just calm down. I mean. थैंक यू सो मच फॉर हैविंग मी वंस अगैन